0: Welcome to a new episode of Spin It to Win It. We have a guest tonight. Uh, If you've been following me for a while, you might remember I was once a lowly radio DJ. And uh, our guest tonight is my uh, former co-DJ with me, uh, Ryan DeHoff. What's up?
1: Hey, how's it going? It's good for me.
0: It's It's been a wild wild time obviously we haven't chatted a whole lot lately but i do enjoy our musings on twitter every once in a while and seeing mm-hmm. you uh basically look like a marathon runner now from <laughs> your former <laughs> uh president of half self so
1: nah, not nothing like a marathon but uh i'll do five Ks pretty frequently my i've talked out at seven miles and that was last year it's a it's been a rocky year for my legs this year but uh no nah, it's been good yeah twitter always good to ramble on about music or pacers despair you know whatever it is that day. losing
0: to the fucking pistons yeah um and of course <laughs> another person who is also pissed off of the sports world because the big 10 is still overrated Yanni, what's up man
2: oh you know just uh making it i don't know honestly i have not been following golf football as much this week i've just been tired of it at this point like yeah whatever happens happens i'll probably watch some bowl games but like at this point in the season i just you know don't have anything else going so (laughs) my main goal is honestly just to somehow have the acc cycle of suck completed Hmm. um but i don't think it's going to end up happening which is unfortunate well, I,
0: I must say this. Uh, the Louisville Cardinals have 418 yards of offense against Duke tonight in the first half. It is 35 to 9 at the half. And Malik Cunningham has 189 yards passing on 19 attempts and 178 yards rushing on eight attempts. So at least you guys played Louisville better than Duke did.
2: Well, see, the unfortunate thing is. Duke needs to win a game for the cycle to be complete at all. Somehow, maybe you can make it work. Um, But basically the whole idea, it happened. It usually happens where like one of the really good teams ends up just dropping a game. So it happened a lot with Clemson. But like you would have this scenario where you have just a circle. Like every team would have beaten one other team who beat another team. And you would eventually get the cycle complete. But Duke... Uh, well, they're not going to be at Louisville, so <laughs> no, they're not. <laughs> maybe somehow, if they can beat Miami um, next week, it might be able to be done. But it's Don't hold not looking good. Don't um, hold your breath at all. Yeah, the other issue too is they needed. Um, I'd really like for um, maybe NC State to drop another game. And if Wake can just lose two games in a row, Clemson can maybe you know still make the make the conference championship, which would be kind of funny. But you know we got to beat them first. So,
0: oh man, this is uh, this has been a weird week for I think everybody. But like my office today, we just got like three new people here because I work in the student affairs office at IUPUI, and one of them like has already been asking me for betting advice uh he's been here a week barely knows me and uh i've made him more money than i've made myself so like what does that (laughs) tell you you know like um
1: yeah take your own advice sometimes
0: probably i just kind of forget the advice i throw out there i should have forget i should have forgot the advice i threw out today told him to bet on uh Ohio State to win, and they lost to Xavier on the road somehow. So, Hmm. obviously, we're not sports podcasts. We got some music to talk about. Um, You know, Spotify really sucks sometimes when it comes to like actually having the full albums of like things on here. Um, Usually it's just like, oh, was there an anniversary edition? That's one we'll put on here. Mm -hmm. So, The only way I've listened to this is the 40th anniversary expanded edition, which is uh, 19 tracks, and that's I believe 10, if I'm not mistaken.
1: Yeah, it's a it's nine plus. There's like a bonus track that was on the O2 reissue, I think. So if we're going by the OG, we got nine. Of course, we haven't said what album we're talking about yet.
0: (laughs) Well, we're hoping they've listened from last week, but if they haven't, we are talking about Blizzard of Oz. And I thought to myself, what better guest than one of Ozzy's biggest fans, Ryan Howe?
1: He's a he's a legend. I mean, there there's nothing to say about him that hasn't been said. Um, yeah, I will always contest that the Ozzy years of Sabbath was one of the greatest runs in music history. Those first six albums, in particular, and then the last two, you take your leave. Um, but yeah, all the way from Black Sabbath to Sabotage is just, or, or wait, Sabbath, Blaze Sabbath. I always get those two mixed up chronologically, but either way, they're all just wall-to-wall bangers, and uh, his solo career, pretty dang good too. And uh, Yanny, you, you're the one who actually uh, recommended this
0: one. Was there any particular reason you picked this one out? Uh,
2: I will give you two initials. is R.R um <laughs> yeah so we've I've talked plenty about this on the podcast previously about really enjoying the guitar parts because i'm a guitarist but randy rhodes is one of my absolute all-time favorites and that hasn't changed for like almost 20 years now um he is just incredible and i can still remember like the first time i heard Crazy train and like hearing his solo and just like this is the coolest guitarist I've ever heard in my life. Um, mm. and just like everything he's done, like his life's his background, um, the music he put out, um is just is incredible. So I really wanted to do an album featuring him, especially <laughs> considering he is getting inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame this year. So mm. Um, definitely wanted to give him an honor for that.
1: Yeah, and you can't really pick a better album to feature Randy Rhodes than this. Um, you know, my favorite Ozzy album the next one, Madman, which he's also going crazy on and so good. But, you know, I was re-listening through this album earlier today and just song after song. It's just like, God, Randy is just next level. Mm-hmm.
0: I must say, I've never listened to this album all the way through before. In fact, I knew two songs off in of this album that I knew were, like, on this album. So uh, mm-hmm. I'm glad we picked this one because, like I said, I've never listened to it all the way through. Uh, it was definitely an experience as I got weird glares from my roommate just, like, <laughs> listening to this album pretty late at night. But uh, let's go ahead and go through some of the stats of this one. So, obviously, we talked about nine... Potentially 10, potentially 19 songs. Pay on how you look at it. How Spotify wants you to look at it. Uh, released March 27, 1981 in the United States. I believe it had a UK release that was about a year earlier.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, five times platinum in the United States. Uh, hit 21, like number 21 on the Billboard Hot 200. And it was produced by the band. Like Interesting, interesting thing there. Uh, You know, obviously every album we've talked to up to this point has been produced by somebody else. And this one was produced by the band themselves. So that's interesting in itself. Um, And then of course Ridge Farm Studio Uh, in England, famous for a lot of different metal artists. Um, And of course, Ozzy pretty much stayed there his whole career. Popular acts at the time, Police, Foreigner, Earth, Wind and Fire. And then there was two charting songs, Mr. Crowley and Crazy Train, which I think are still the only two that see consistent radio play now. What were your thoughts on like some of the stats or like maybe some of the background of this album
1: I mean, just in general, um, you got to remember context of This Is Ozzy's first solo album. Um, he was with Sabbath from 70 to 78 and got kicked out for being too much of a drug addict, alcoholic, and a um, spoiler, that did not change after he got kicked out. <laughs> um, uh, but, you know, you see this a lot where people leave a band that's hugely celebrated like Sabbath is and like, all right, we're going to do it solo, and, you know, time and time again, you'll see them falter, or they'll do moderately successful, they'll have a few good singles, or whatever. Um, But I think at least commercially, and to the general public, um, Ozzy is one of the few exceptions where I think he got more popular than his original band. Um, You know, which one has more cultural musical influence, Um, that's up for debate, but certainly from a popularity standpoint. um, And he just came out swinging with, you know, Crazy Train, his most popular songs here right off the bat. So um, it's just kind of really impressive how he went from the reject of one band to just like, he became the face of metal music.
2: Yeah, it's a super just, interesting story from that aspect and just like the band he got together, the way that they were able to come together and make this music is just incredible and it's not like he found people who were just like unknown, especially when it came to Randy like Randy had a band he was working in, you know, fairly successful, not quite as popular as as Ozzy came to be but He took a guitarist that was showing a lot of promise and gave him a much larger spotlight. And that's super awesome. Just the way like you said, going from a band that is so important and then going on and creating your own major influence beyond that is really telling (laughs) of just like Ozzy's ability and like power and presence. And let's not forget,
0: you know, Ozzy had other cultural impacts. You know, he's uh, got a cameo in Austin Powers. Uh, I believe he's in Cold Member, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, you know, he was in that famous AT and T commercial where they were talking about like the texting, where like no one can understand Mm them. But in all reality. You know, I did a bowling bowling alley rock and roll night one night at the radio, and one of the first songs we played, I think it was like, we started with Rockstar by Nickelback, and the second song we played was Crazy Train by Ozzy Osbourne, and I was like, not only is this like a staple at every bowling alley, but every sporting event you go to, what is One of the songs you're going to hear, almost guaranteed, is the opening of Crazy Train.
1: So I'm sure this was an experience for me, and I'm sure I'm very much in a majority. I was a band kid, and there was nothing more quintessential than walking into the band room, and some dude's just blowing up the opening riff of Crazy Train on his saxophone, just on loop. It's, I mean, it's iconic.
0: Mm -hmm. every pet band ever has played this now now you know we'll see you know maybe if we ever do uh black sabbath we can talk about how culturally impactful iron man is for the pet band kids
1: (laughs) it's right up there too
0: i don't know which one's more impactful between Mm -hmm. the two but yeah we had
1: a pretty rock and a paranoid in our pet band
0: (laughs) oh hey there you go um it is, you know joking aside like i mean honestly as far as a debut album where you're like kicked out of your band i don't know if it gets a whole lot better than this you know um obviously my mind immediately thinks of like audio slave but even then the commercial success of that wasn't as mu- as grand compared to this so
3: mm-hmm.
0: it's now time let's go track by track Oh, wait, 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 no, no, no. We got to hear some stories. Yenny, what was the first time you heard this album?
2: Mm, so I remember picking up a copy of Guitar World magazine and it was an issue. It was like one of the first issues I ever got of that magazine. And it was talking about like, it was like the 50 or 100 like fastest guitarists of all time. And it like went through and it had like, all the people you kind of expect, like Ingve Momstein, Joe Satriani, Steve Vai. Um, and like, I didn't really listen to any of them. And then I remember seeing Randy Rhodes on there and I was like, okay, like I've kind of heard, like I had heard Crazy Train before, um, but never really paid that much attention to it. And I was like, okay, well, I'll listen to it. And then I listened to it after kind of reading about it and being like, oh, wow, this is incredible. And then kind of like started listening to more of the Ozzy stuff with Randy and really just got super interested in like Randy and like his backstory and and sort of just like his musicality. And then unfortunately, you know, his uh, untimely death, but he, like, that was really what caught on to me. It's like, I was just like, Randy Rhodes is like the, just like the peak guitarist for me i think and that was um that was like what really got me into it like listening to just as much of this stuff as i could um because i just wanted to hear randy and like ozzy's cool too but (laughs) Mm -hmm. for me it was just always a thing where it's like i just want to hear randy roads
1: play Uh, randy is the highlight of this album like uh ozzy's great um and a bassist um uh, Bob Daisley he's doing great too but I mean Randy's just far and away the best musician here on this album so totally get that
0: so let's hear from you Ryan where did you first hear this album
1: um I mean crazy train has existed in my mind like it, it's like back to infantile amnesia days I it's just always been a thing um and then my, my dad's a rock fan, so um, he had an Aussie Greatest Hits on, um, that I'd play from time to time. So from that, I got to hear Mr. Crowley, and I believe Goodbye to Romance was also on there. Um, so knew those. Um, and then it was uh, some like old YouTube video I saw when I was like 12 or whatever. They used Suicide Solution in it. I was like, yo, what's this song? This goes hard go down the Common Suicide Solution by Ozzy, check it out. Awesome song. Um, and then just kind of from there, I'm like, well, there's half the track list you know, rocks. I got to listen to the rest of this sometime. So um, I was probably, I don't know, early high school is when I finally like dove all the way in but picked up like half the tracks just every few years.
0: So obviously, as I said, I listened to it for the first time all the way through this week. And I was actually, you know, on my way to French class, like listening to it. Um, Because I kind of forgot what we were were supposed to be listening to for this week. And I had to say, I was kind of shocked with how good it was. I don't have the highest opinion of Ozzy's solo career, mostly because Crazy Train drives me nuts.
1: (laughs) Understandable.
0: And uh, honestly, like there's some hidden gems on this one. Um, So I'm actually super glad we checked this out. So now it's time, let's go track by track. Let's get some thoughts going. What is it about this album that makes us feel the way it does? And it opens up with none other than, I don't know.
2: Yeah, this, um, I really like it as an opening track. Um, Definitely kind of like, I think is a really good intro to the whole album. And I know like for some of the, some of the other albums we've done, they've had like the iconic songs at the beginning. Right. And like, I feel like if people, if some people are like super huge Aussie fans, they might not like recognize the song. If they just listen to like rock radio, they might never, never have heard it before, but um, it's, it's still a super solid song. Um, and I think it just sets a good stage for what comes after it. Like, yes, you're kind of in the mood to listen to Ozzy for like the next 40-ish minutes, so. Mm
1: -hmm. I definitely think it's a great opening track. And that may be like, you check it out because you look at the back of the album and you see Crazy Train. Oh, I heard that on the radio, that's super good. Like, wonder what it's like, and you know, like back then, you're either like trying to preview out like the record or the cassette, whatever it may be, and that right off the bat. Um, I mean, it comes in with that riff, and Randy is just absolutely just chugging and just like blistering through. And it just to me, it just sucks you right in, it's just kind of gets you amped up for the rest of the album. Um, I know thing I like from it is, um, when you get into the bridge. Um, section, when it gets into that really like soft kind of lilty sound um, that kind of sets up like for the rest of this album and a lot of Ozzy's career in general is there's a lot of like play between the like hard, heavy, fast stuff and the like more, you know, like blissful, lighter music. So um, yeah, I think it's a great track that just represents the album as a whole super well.
0: I think like, it's weird first like 15 seconds. It's kind of like a suspended cymbal kind of sound. And then the opening guitar riff of the song goes way harder than it should.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Like, uh, it really is a good attention grabber. Um, and it's, I don't know, it's really got like a almost like a YNT and t kind of vibe, uh, which obviously a very obscure reference for most people listening, but It really like, it is such a good attention grabber because literally the first like 16 seconds or so, 15, 16 seconds is just like silence with some slight suspended symbol. Let's move on. Let's move on to the, you know, the highlight quote unquote of the album, Crazy Train. I want to get your thoughts, Ryan. Is this the greatest bowling alley song of all time?
1: <laughs> uh, it's right up there with Sweet Dreams. Um, you know, I can't imagine barely scraping by with four pins without Eurythmics blasting my ears. Um, <laughs> it's got to be one of those. I mean, what can you say that hasn't been said about Crazy Train?
0: What about you, Yanny? What What's... What was it about Crazy Train? Or maybe you didn't care for Crazy Train. What was it about it that uh, sucked you in?
2: Honestly, when I go back and listen to it, um, I think the thing that sticks with me the most, and this is actually something that I've kind of developed more, I guess, in college. Because when I was in high school and stuff, I was very much like, I want to hear the guitar. like I want to hear like all that. Because it was just like, the flashy stuff. But after going to college and like getting more involved with music on, I'd say, a different level across different instruments and really going more into playing bass, I realized a lot of the times the songs that really stick with me are songs that have really well-crafted bass lines. And when I was listening to this, like I listened to the version that's on Spotify, and then I was like, this doesn't sound like quite right because I think you used some of the um 2002 tracks for some of it, like the 2002 reissue, which had re recorded the bass and drums. So I went and found like a version on YouTube, which was like the original recording, just the nine tracks, and I was listening a lot to that, and it just sounded better. Um, but it was like that bass part is so. Iconic and like, obviously the song starts with that and you got the guitar coming in afterwards. But, and I love the guitar part, obviously as a little as like a young kid trying to learn how to guitar like everyone tries to learn that riff. Like it was one of the first things I ever looked up the tablature for, um, to learn it. But like the bass is just so, it just pounds like she's Like, okay, I want to listen to this. Um, and it's so simple like even sometimes when i think about it in my head like i like embellish it a little bit um just kind of like my brain like adds stuff into it but it's not that complicated and that's where i think all the power lies it's so simple you can just like kind of hum along to it in your head as the song's playing and it just like draws you in um yeah i just love like I love the playing on this track. Um, Yeah, Bob Daisley, excellent, excellent, excellent work. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, well, you just said with the hummable part, that was one of my big, you know, you hear it so many times, you almost take it for granted, like why everyone knows the song and can like hum or sing along just like the second it comes on. I'm like, it's such a great melody. Like it's easy. For, like, just anyone to pick up, um, but it's got a great flow to it, and like how it bounces between the verse and the chorus. Um, I mean, who doesn't love just like belting the going off the rails on a crazy train line? I mean, just there's a reason it's so popular, and it's hats off to some great just melody writing and just really catchy lines.
0: And some really odd instrumentation at the beginning like (laughs) just like random like auxiliary percussion stuff that sticks out to me like right at the beginning like i almost feel like somebody was like playing with like one of like a bop it right at the beginning just to make different (laughs) sounds and i gotta say like i will agree the uh the re-record does not do the song justice, so if you do want to listen to the bass-heavy version, try to find the original because the re-record does like, it's like Metallica Black album kind of crap, so.
1: Um, well, hey, Metallica's bassist is on the re- recording. It's <laughs> the yeah. on there.
0: <laughs> the next song is actually one of my favorites uh, on this album. I really love the song, Goodbye to Romance. Um, It really, like, it's different. Like, it's not, it's a ballad, but it's not at the same time. It's a quicker pace um, than most, like, ballads at the time. But I just love the opening. And uh, I, I don't really know, like, what else say about it? Just like it's such a good, like, okay, every all hell's breaking loose after these first two tracks. Let's slow down for a second.
1: Mm-hmm. I One of my good friends in high school, shout JG. Um, he put a great one. He said, "It sounds like if Ozzy tried to write a Beatles song, because like the cadence of the song has a very like John Lennon quality to it." Um, but yeah, no, it's such a like nice little song. And like you're saying with the ballad, I feel like this is probably one of the earliest examples of what would become like the power ballad. Um, just like it's that nice, like easygoing song and a little emotional, and then you come in with that, you know, that loud guitar solo and it's just I feel like it's a great foreshadow of what's to come in music.
2: I definitely agree. It's got like, coming off of Crazy Train, I feel like some people, if they were listening to this for the first time, they might be like, what is this song? Like, this is weird. But, yeah, listening to it, it just it just works. Like, the way the album is constructed. It's, like, very masterfully done. And I think that it's cool since, you know, the band were the ones producing this album. Like, they had a vision the way this whole album was crafted and it flows just incredibly well, even though some people like thinking, Oh, like we just came off like a song. It's like, considered like one of the best, like metal songs of all time. What's going to follow this up. It's gotta be something else kind of in the same lines. Like, no, it's very much just a change of pace, but still is impactful. Like the lyrics are really good. They're just kind of a very evocative of, the emotions you'd feel like if you kind of got abandoned like someone um leaving a certain band um Mm -hmm. and then like okay well i guess maybe i'll see my friends again someday but i have to say goodbye to them for now like it's very it's very good at driving that kind of emotion that it wants you to feel
0: and again like ryan kind of hinted at this it really does just like evoke like feelings like those ballads you know that would come later like you know i think of like house of pain by faster pussycat or like god forbid somebody actually enjoys uh poisons um, every rose has its thorn or like you know songs like that like it is a very powerful and moving song it's like right in the middle of this like kind of hectic uh portion here so the next track is interesting. I almost feel like it's just like an introduction. <clears throat> like uh almost like eruption mm-hmm. is um for like Van Halen. This feels like an introduction for me where you get to like hear just Randy Rhodes hanging out, strumming his guitar a little. <laughs> and it's not, it's not the same thing as freeform guitar, you know, that we talked about last week where it is literally six minutes of uh terry kath just like doing whatever the hell he wants it, it feels very structured as if like it's either a conclusion to goodbye to romance or it's like a slow build to what suicide solution is
1: yeah i, I think you're on the money there it feels like an interlude to me that kind of like connects goodbye to romance to suicide solution Meanwhile. Randy Rose is just kind of like enlistment being like, Hey, bet you didn't know I did classical guitar too.
0: You <laughs> can do it all, I mean, literally does it all, honestly. Um,
2: yeah, I think it's kind of like in the same way that, um, Goodbye to Romance are like a different side of the band as a whole coming off of Crazy Train, I think this is just an opportunity for Randy to show off like the other side of his skill because I mean, that was where he started was like classical guitar. Um, and it was part of the reason that he was as successful of a metal guitarist as he was, just those like strong foundations, um, which becomes more evident in um, some of the later songs on the thing. But all, like D kind of gives me It reminds me a little bit of, um, if you've ever listened to Sounds of Silence by Simon and Garfunkel, the album, Angie, um, where it's just kind of this like instrumental track, just like a guitar. And it gives you like a little bit of, little motifs of a couple other songs on the album. I think this does a good job of kind of transitioning into another portion. Um, It just kind of feeds in very nicely.
0: The next song is "Suicide Solution," and I think this is one of the most, like, interesting, like, songs as a whole. It's very controversial,
3: <laughs>
0: um, based on some of the history and whatnot. But really, I just—I don't think—I don't think it's a bad song to have on this album you know obviously there was the controversy of the death where they got sued because a kid apparently killed himself listening to this and is that is that on the band like that's the way i look at this is this really on the band and, you know, I look. I, I think of like other songs in the past that would like, have a very similar, you know, timeline where it's like suicidal dreams by silver chair is one that comes to my mind where it's like, the whole song is about literally wanting to hang yourself by a rope. And yet like that song still gets played on the radio. And I'm pretty sure you'll never hear this on the radio, or, you know. Black gives way to blue, where it's like there's tons of songs on there that are like pretty dark. Um, or god, god forbid, there's tons of Alice and Chain songs that are very dark and like have that just kind take of,
1: like Jeremy by Pearl Jam,
0: it's <laughs> like, just effed up. <laughs> it's just like all these songs like still get played, and I just wonder, like, is there really a lawsuit there? Like, I don't see it. Um, And obviously, you know, later they say the the song's about the uh, alcohol-related death of Bond Scott from 1980. So it's like, like, and then, you know, they kind of say, well, maybe it was about Ozzy thinking about himself. Either way, I think this is, again, another very underrated song on this album as a whole.
1: Yeah, I really like um, this song, kind of going back to earlier um, with the heavier songs, and very traditionally metal, um, but I like how it contrasts and sticks out on its own, because I don't know, Crazy Train are both like metal and they're like closer to the speed metal side of things, where this is like a much more like laid back, just heavy groove, and you get into that solo section, it's real spacey, just lots of openness, um, so... I think musically Suicide Solution is just like a great demonstration of the band's range.
2: Yeah, it's like, yeah, Uh, as far as the lawsuit thing goes, obviously um, lawsuit didn't, no lawsuit didn't really result in anything, but um, overall, I guess my impression on that would be, yeah, like it's hard to necessarily hold a band like responsible for the actions of people listening to stuff like that unless it's like outright like promoting or inciting it and this song like i mean if you listen to if you see the name and you listen to it you might like give it like a quick listen you might be like oh this is like maybe glorifying something but if you like sit down and actually like read the lyrics you can see this is not talking about um anything like glorifying suicide in any way talking about someone who's living this absolutely miserable life slowly drinking themselves to death um maybe not even like super slowly drinking themselves to death just like the fact that um you know alcohol abuse will catch up with you at some point and yeah it happened to bon scott um you know alcohol is one of the reasons that Ozzy even ended up making this album as a solo feature because he got kicked out of Black Sabbath. So, like, I think it's supposed to be more of a cautionary tale than anything that would, like, promote an idea like that. And, like, sitting down, like, reading the lyrics, I think people should definitely um, give the song a deep listen, like, listen to it very intensely, and intently. So you can really get the message of it. Um, Instead of just like, oh, it's suicide. It's in the name. I'm going to like avoid it. Because I think it's something that it's worth talking about. Like, you know, some people have problems with alcohol. um, And that is something that can be addressed. And if it goes unaddressed for too long, it can be fatal. So.
0: In addition, like pokemon was never sued for the lavender town theme mm-hmm. and like that apparently resulted in the deaths of you know, tens of people you know <laughs> so like i don't know it i understand where like a lawyer or like a family might be coming from like this is talking about some dark stuff but it's like if you listen to a lot of music from like the 50s to early 70s like there's a lot of dark stuff in there that kind of gets overclouded by happy tunes and things like that and so when you have like a heavier song like this um you know and I liked your comparison where it's like slowed down it's not like speed metal like the first you know couple of heavier songs this this had a very like almost like Mastodon type of feel for me, where it was like mm-hmm. slowed down, articulated well, really makes you like understand like what the band is going for. I, I think, again, it's one of the ones that I really enjoyed off this album. Next is the other radio song, Mr. Crowd. And this one really highlights the Keyboards at the beginning, but it's another one that I happen to really enjoy. Curious about your guys' thoughts on this one though.
1: Yeah, again, what this and the other Radius on Crazy Tramp and common is just an iconic intro that like, you know, in this case that organ hits and you're just like, yep, here we are. It's Mr. Crawley time. Um, but I really like how this song and, um, you know, later, not exactly the next song, but when we get later into Mother Earth and Steelway um it's kind of the darker side of things. Um, it has like a mysterious atmosphere. It's a bit more reminiscent of like Ozzy's Sabbath days of where it's a bit more like storytelling feeling. Um, it's just got that eerie vibe to it. Um, but I mean, the song kicks ass it's just my favorite thing about it is like after you get through that intro and the song starts there's just a great like steady build all the way to the end in the solo and like even like as the music's fading out you can hear randy and bob and the drums are they're just all going nuts like right at the end um and it's just i i just love the pacing and the atmosphere of the track.
2: Yeah. This song is probably is up there, has to be top five at a minimum. It might just be overall my number one. But like a favorite song intros. Uh just the it just hits you in the face so hard from the beginning. You're like, what is that? You feel like you're like walking into a haunted house almost. Mm-hmm. But like an actual not like some like joke thing. Just like You're like walking into a place where, like, I'm gonna get possessed or something like that. (laughs) Like, it's just so strong, and it has that ominous, mysterious vibe to it. And also, yeah, it has that occult theme, which is something that you know would be very reminiscent of like Black Sabbath stuff. Um, But it's just so good listening to. it. I just remember um, having the CD in like high school. I'm a little handheld CD player when those were still you know, popular and just like putting a song on and like pretending like I could play a pipe organ and just like <laughs> going, just going at it. Um, this is, it's such a good song. Um, I think mm, it's tough. Like this solo on this one, like Rainy Road" solo, I think is probably my favorite um, on the album. And you get a lot more, I think of that classical um, influence shining through in this than say on Crazy Train. I just feel like this yeah. one has more of a classical feel to it, and it just is so clean. And that's just like a hallmark of Randy's playing. It's so just precise and um, it's very fluid, but you can still hear every note. And that's just such a a perfect blend of musicianship to have and yeah overall the song is incredible i love it for me the reason the song like
0: just fucks so hard 55 seconds in all the background music stops and ozzy comes in with his pickup notes where he says mr crowley for the first time and then everything comes back in and just punches you back in the face and like it's that where it's like okay, this is like a new game entirely because you just had this bitchin' intro. But now you've like completely changed the game where it's like Ozzy leading the band back into it, which is awesome.
1: And then they hit you with like a literal dun-dun-dun. Yes, <laughs> Like dude. it just adds to that like dark, mysterious, like Annie said, like haunted house type atmosphere. Like it's almost feels like a metal Phantom of the Opera going on here.
0: Yeah, it's very, very good one there. The next one is No Bone Movies, one of the uh, least popular ones on Spotify according to the listens. You know, it's similar to like Suicide Solution and then it's like less of the like speedy type of metal. This is more of like a, you know, classic feel to it. But my overall take on it is it's, in my opinion, one of the more forgettable songs on this album. Like even after listening to this four times in preparation for this show um, in the last couple of days, like it's still the most forgettable song for me um which you know every album has one or two where you're just like i kind of forgot you existed like glad you're there but I, i forgot about you
1: yeah i agree totally um like the song on itself i mean it's just a fun like rock and roll style thing um It shows off, you know, like Ozzy and the band's more playful side, which, you know, if you ever go see them live, even like to this day, Ozzy over 70, he's still like kind of danced around clapping on stage. So uh, he's got that goofy, like fun loving side. And I feel like this song on the album kind of shows that off. Um, But, you know, overall, like it's a fine song. It's got some good energy, especially like right there at the outro. but if nothing else, I feel like it serves to, within the album, it kind of breaks it up a little more, gives it that variety. So, you know, if you take this out and you go straight from Crawley to Mother Earth to Steal Away, that might become kind of like a dirge by the end, because um, they're all darker songs, each with their own character. Um, but I do like within the context of the full album, the kind of break it gives
2: yeah (laughs) like yeah gosh i didn't agree with the whole forgettable thing like i didn't really remember this song too well until going back and listening like brushing up on the album for um for this podcast but yeah i think it's just a fun it's just a fun song it feels very much just like a classic rock song to me um like fun guitar part um It's kind of just like a PSA against adult films, it seems. (laughs) So, like, it's it's just a fun thing. Um, Like, coming off of, yeah, like, harder, like, there are some harder-hitting songs in the album, of course. Like, you know, Suicide Solution takes on a very serious topic. Like... You, like maybe this is supposed to be like another take on like a kind of serious thing, something that some people can kind of become addicted to, but it just doesn't feel as heavy as a song like Suicide Solution. It's just more kind of happy, like hey, maybe don't watch this stuff, or like I can't stop watching this stuff. Save yourself. That's kind of the feeling I get. <laughs> um, but Yeah, it's just overall, it's just a fun track.
0: So the next one is Revelation. <clears throat> And it has this like doom and gloom kind of start to it. Again, kind of feels like the backing track of like your team's getting their ass beat in a war. <laughs> like your, your country is like falling right now. Um, it's got a little more like synthesizer in it or like keyboard, but overall, I mean, it's the longest track on the album. know by almost a whole minute and it really does like capture this like essence of like it's it's definitely like it almost feels like uh the energy song from schoolhouse rock where it's like that's the exact like motif you're trying to go for of like congrats morons the earth is on fire and like um obviously like if you actually mean the lyrics or everything that's not all what it's about but to me like that's what it feels like is like you know if you were an environmentalist and this was your theme song like it would kind of make sense just because it's like a doom and gloom kind of song especially right at the beginning
1: yeah but i do like to me like this song is criminally underrated i understand that this is not gonna appeal to the masses one you got the length two like <laughs> you you can't really sing to it <laughs> like you can crazy train or anything um but it's just so unique um even like in the chorus like it uses like weird funky chords um and randy's like really set in the mood with his lines um but this is another one where like the song feels like kind of epic, like it's telling like a story, and it like is really taking you somewhere. Um, and like you alluded to, uh, we get synths um, at least featured for the first time, um, and there's also extensive piano section. Um, I feel like they used really effectively, really smartly. So it's just another instance of, in the you know sometimes in albums you listen through. And you get to the back half, and it feels like they're like throwing things at the wall to see what sticks. Um, and this like might be perceived as this, but I think it's pulled off um, just really well. Um, it's not one like Mr. Crawley's just got a great flow, of progression, and build to the end.
2: Yeah, I, you hit on a lot of stuff. Ryan hit a lot of stuff that I would say it definitely just has that storytelling element that I really enjoy from a lot of the music I listen to. Um, It just paints such a good picture in your head that you can kind of envision what's going on. Um, Overall, just a really great track. Really, really enjoyed this one Um, after giving the whole album like a better listen than I have in a while. Like, yeah, the back half of this album like really stood out to me on the re-listen and this one this song for sure um was up there and i remember it now uh i have it like in much higher esteem now than i had like when i was younger because when i was younger i was all about crazy train and mr crowley but now like going back and listening like the rest of this album is really good too and this is just another track that is great
0: So it's time to wrap up with the final song. I think this is one we should close out with. I know there's a bonus, but let's go by the original Steal Away the Night. I love this. The opening is phenomenal. It's one of my favorite opening riffs, tiny song um, that any Aussie related group has put out.
1: Yeah, I mean, it goes hard. Um, th- when I was listening through this song again, the one thing I couldn't stop listening to is the bass. Oh my God, the bass goes so hard on this song. Um, I just like... <laughs> it's. I All I was like wanting to listen to Everyone's like, oh wait, there's other stuff going on. And I like, keep like, oh yeah, this is cool. But um, just that nice punchy bass line and like the play of it. Um, yeah. But Bob's bass parts have been good throughout the album, as yeah I talked about earlier. But this is the one where like I feel like they will loosen his reins and like yeah yeah go yeah. a little wild on this one.
2: Oh yeah, it's such a good way I think to close out this album. You really get to see, uh, like Ryan said, like Bob go all out. You get I feel just like it's just like the band having fun um it just feels like a lot more kind of rowdy you get i could just see the band like on a stage performing this just like having an absolute blast like the crowd going crazy um like it just has that feeling of just like high energy just super fun um yeah i think it's just a really great way to close out an album i think it's one of the best like closing tracks we had on an album in the show so far. Like some of them kind of ended on like, not like quite the best note, but I think this one is such so good and like putting it alongside, I don't know. It's just, this album has such great bookends on it to really just bring the whole album together. And it feels like, I don't know if there isn't, like there was not another song on, this album that i would want to end with really like steal away is just the perfect ending for um this album and like this sort of I guess, triumphant return of ozzy back into like music so now it's time the
0: the best part of the show the awards part of the show and with a guest it's gonna make it even more entertaining
3: because
0: uh, we've added a couple of awards uh, since the first episode where, you know, I think it'll uh, help grading the album be a little bit easier. So I'm gonna start off with the best lyrics or the best line of lyrics in the album. I will start with you, Yanni. What do you think? Mm,
2: It's it's real tough. like, I have, oh gosh, I have like two, I have like two answers to this. um, And so my first answer, if I had to pick like an overall song for it, um, I'd probably say Suicide Solution just because it's like a very like real look into a very real problem, just looking at alcoholism. Just overall I think those lyrics do a really good job of demonstrating the impact that like alcohol addiction can have on somebody um but a singular line and it's, it's three words um and it's just always 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 stood out to me whenever I listen to a song and it's in Mr Crowley and it's just in noctur- on can't even talk in nocturnal rapport I don't know why a dead line, just those three words just always stick out to me whenever I listen to it um. Yeah, it's like not very exciting, but that's my pick.
1: <laughs> Ryan, we'll go to you. Uh, it's gotta be all aboard! Ah ha 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 ha. Um, <laughs> no, um, Suicide Solution. That's another one where, like, if I had to like take out, I do really like. Um, it's like the second or third chorus. The lines were, now you live inside a bottle, the reaper's traveling at full throttle. Um, I think that's a just like great way of like putting how like your life is like consumed in it and death is coming if you do that. Um, But um, one of my favorite lyrics, actually from Crazy Train um, in the the last verse when he says like crazy I just cannot bear I'm living with something that just isn't fair um you know I think you know I don't know if this is meant to be like a whole like mental health anthem or anything um but I think it puts it really well of just like you know a lot of like mental health struggles like you, you don't do anything to like deserve it like mental health problems are not fair um So um, it's just something you live with. So um, there's nothing like too like elegant and like there's not a lot of like symbolism or anything in it, but it's just like stated very plainly right in the middle of this like super popular song. So uh, I've always really liked that line.
0: My pick is actually coming from I don't know. And it's like the most like, positively influential lyrics on this album i think um and it's don't confuse win or lose it's up to you it's up to you it's up to you it's up to you and to me it's like honestly interesting just like how you could use that in your everyday life just like there's no win or lose for you you make that decision for yourself like what happens happens and how you look at it is up to you so i really appreciate that line as somebody who is naturally pessimistic i think that that's a very beneficial line and a very important line um, on this album and obviously since we've done the best lyrics we gotta go to the worst lyrics and know we are not counting the opening line of crazy train it's not
1: I already said that's my the best one, so oh, I don't yeah, know why weird. you would even bring that up.
0: <laughs> so Ryan, we'll go to you. Worst line of lyrics on the album.
1: Oh gosh, um, I'm trying to think through if any stick out. Um, I mean, what I like the lyrics, but goofy as hell is the um, "Mr. Crowley, won't you ride my ride my white horse." it's symbolic of course it's just like symbolic of what <laughs> i it seriously feels like you know if you listen to like master of puppets and where they get to the just a rhyme without a reason <laughs> it's just kind of like yeah these lyrics will work here. <laughs> um uh yeah uh i guess that would be my pick i because honestly i kind of like the lyric but i I'm not going to pretend it's not kind of ridiculous.
2: <laughs>
0: mm. All right, Yanni, you're up.
2: Oh, gosh. I don't really have a worst uh, lyric. I didn't really, I was really thinking about that. Uh, maybe um, from Revelation, just the uh, mother, please forgive them for they know what they do. Looking back in history books, it seems it's nothing new. Not that that's necessarily a bad lyric. It just hits way too close to home for me. Um, like some of the stuff going on right now, just in current events, could like very easily be avoided, and it's just not happening. So I don't know. I just if I'm listening to like a, to like songs like this, like to kind of paint a story. I don't want to be reminded of current events. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's kind of I guess my stance. I don't know. I just like sometimes you get lyrics are just kind of ridiculous uh actually um, hold on okay um oh gotcha okay i actually have i have a real answer to this now uh so no bone movies um let's see um voyeur straining in love with his hand um yeah that'll that'll do it for me Um <laughs> Yeah, just, uh, <laughs> that'll be the one.
0: Uh, man, this is tough. This isn't one of those albums where, like, there's actually like, bad lyrics. And for like, you know, the worst ones to me, <laughs> the worst one for me is just, like, verse two in Crazy Train. Like, I've listened to Preachers. I've listened to Fools. I've watched all the Dropouts make their own rules because it's too real like, again, reminder of current events. it's just like, how many times a year do we just get, you know, some random guy in Texas claiming he's the second coming of Christ and then a bunch of people following him or like, you know, some jackass who dropped out of college, started a company that makes electric cars and now is worth you know 200 billion dollars you know things like that and then also all the crypto morons out there who just like that's all they talk about
1: Or watch out it's a podcast I'm about to get just Shut attacked you're gonna get doxxed sorry
0: swiped out <laughs> hey man the crypt is gonna be the greatest arena of all time
1: uh yeah if they don't
0: actually call it that i'm gonna riot
1: yeah uh, you better not call it crypto.com arena call it the crypt <laughs> that like actually sounds cool it's you've been given a shitty hand and you actually have like a good deal you could actually make with it <laughs> all right i'm gonna skip best and worst
0: songs i want to wait wait on those overplayed song there's one option i think we can all agree
1: what it is <laughs> oh crazy train is so good but i hit skip when it comes on half (laughs) the time because i'm like i'll hear this tomorrow when i'm at beat ups
2: (laughs) yeah
1: i can agree with that it's definitely a song uh,
2: yeah i would say for sure it's not like a song that whenever i hear it i like have to sit down and listen to all of it um because it is just ingrained into my memory. So if I hear like a note from it, like I can just hear like the first two bass notes and then I like uh, mm-hmm. play the song in my head. Kind of like that um, any fans of South Park in the audience, the one where if someone starts singing, come sail away, Cartman has to finish it. That's kind of what goes <laughs> on. Um, I just, like, play the whole song in my head. Whenever I hear the doo-doo. but yeah.
0: So me, it's not even just like it's overplayed on the radio or like because like every classic rock radio station will play it like every 80 minutes like you know like you're going to hear that song nine times a day it's not like you know 93.9 in Indianapolis who plays it every hour like <laughs> like clockwork like 212, 112. it sucks but it's when you go to every sporting event and they are running out of tunes to play. Oh yeah, let's just play Crazy Train again. Everybody loves that. <laughs> or you go to watch a college basketball game and the pep band may or may not be that great because a certain doctor who shall remain nameless from University of Illinois who's now at University of Evansville is leading it and he automatically just snaps to the song to hype the crowd up. Um it's just it's a lot. It really is. And you hear it all the time. It's in commercials. It's all over TikTok. It's all over everything. And I'm kind of over it at this point.
2: On top of that too, if you ever spend more than five minutes in Guitar Center, you'll hear the song (laughs) played on one of the demo amps for sure.
1: Just
0: And again, I don't like. I don't hate it, but it's just like I'm sick of hearing it. It's like Bohemian (laughs) Rhapsody.
1: It's such a good song. I know it's It's an absolute favorite song. Amazing, but oh my gosh, can we give it a rest, please?
0: All right, Um, this one is going to be the underappreciated slash underplayed song of the album. Really, everything. is kind of open other than crazy train i'll even say mr crowley because it only has 23 million spotify plays which isn't all that much considering how much you hear it on the radio
2: Uh, okay so my choice for this is oh it's tough i'll say revelation though mostly because i feel like revelation is the kind of song you'll like Probably never hear on a radio station. Um, So unless people are, unless you're like getting this album and listening to all of it, a lot of people will probably just never hear that song. Um, And it is a really good song. It tells a really great story, Um, and just very, very good. Um, Yeah, I think that that is my choice.
1: I completely agree. Um, it's so under. If you look at like, at least by Spotify streams, it's the least listened to song outside of D, um, but only barely beating D for the record. Like, it's neck and neck between listening to a 50-second acoustic solo and this six-minute glorious song. Um, no, it's easily one of my favorite songs on the album. It's It's fantastic. I get why it's not that popular because it's it doesn't have them. It's not a mainstream song, I guess, is a way to put it. Um, But at the same time, it's just so good. So an easy winner for me.
0: I was down to two. I'm going to give it to Goodbye to Romance. I'm surprised that song never caught on as like one of the power ballads, like one of the mainstays of the power ballad era. Cause like, I think of some of the ones that made it and I'm just like, how many songs is this better than, and like, <laughs> it's pretty up there. Like, you know, no offense to kicks, but don't close your eyes. <laughs> Come on. Is it really better than goodbye romance? I don't think it is. Um, Obviously, two different arrows, but I, I'm just surprised this one never, like, hit it big. And I know it's completely, it, you know, might just be because it was such a change of pace and that threw people off and they didn't like it because of that. But to me, that's what makes it even that much better um, on the album as a whole.
1: I wonder if part of it is, I mean, it was never a single, like, right. maybe the management um Sharon didn't know like to push the song like because this was 1980 or 81 um depending on where you're at and I don't think power ballads were really all the rage until like the mid 80s so maybe it was too ahead of its time or that's what I yeah I I, I feel like it's it definitely has missed potential I think it could have been a big song may not like big big but like decently popular enough where it would get some solid radio play but
0: um. I just I listen to like <laughs> Every Rose Has Its Thorn and I'm just like god damn it how did this song just explode you know or like as much as I love this song the song Don't Cry by Guns and Roses I absolutely love it but also mm-hmm. like why did this one catch on when there was other like just monster ballads that were coming out at similar times. Now, again, maybe four years too early, three, four years too early on this. But I think that they had a missed opportunity where they could have re-released it as a single, maybe in like 83, 84. And probably would have had some pretty big commercial success. But I want (laughs) to... want to move on and these are always the two hardest awards in my opinion because there's many different routes to go so i'm going to start with the harder one what is the worst song on the album or maybe the song that doesn't belong
1: uh we kind of alluded to this earlier to me it's no bone movies um i it's a good song. I like it. Um, and you know, that's a testament to the album that I I think it's kind of hard to cut any of them, especially, like I said, within the context of the album, I think it slots in really nice. Um, like we said, overall, it's kind of like forgettable. Like anytime we come back to this album, it'll be like, Oh yeah, no bone movies. There's, there's the porn song. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I feel like every other song, um, I'm not really counting D. um, So, like, uh, maybe I would say D, but in my head, I'm like, it's just a little interlude. I don't count as a full song. Um, I lost my train of thought. All right, that's my pick.
2: Yeah, I'm in the same boat. Um, I think on this album, you have a lot of just, like, Super energetic songs. You got like Crazy Train, you've got Steal Away, you've got those kind of more Anthony songs. Like it feels like a lot of the other songs in your album, pretty much all of them have um, just like meaning behind them, like kind of like a story they're telling or some sort of extra sentiment. And yeah, No Bone Movies just doesn't have any of that for me. It's just like I'm addicted to watching porn. Like that's that's all it says to me, and that's not really with like the rest of the songs on this album. It just feels kind of out of place, and it's still a fun song. Um, like definitely not a bad song, but on this album, it is the worst.
0: I'm gonna agree with you guys. I uh, like I said, it's the most forgettable song in the album. Um, and that's kind of how I always grade this one. Because, like, if it's not, especially after you've listened to it four times this week, like I have, and I'm still not remembering the song exists. Like, it's hard for me to justify giving it, you know, the, not the worst song, especially when I can remember all the others so well. So now, here we are. What is the best song on the album? I'll go first. It's Mr. Crowley. It's not, it's not even really that close. Like it's just, it, it highlights everything you want in all this album, and it is an absolute fucking banger. So that's why I'm, I'm going to go to Mr. Crowley.
1: Yeah, there's, there's a lot of great options, but I keep coming back to Mr. Crowley. I I think it's most complete song and just has so many standout moments and aspects of it. It's it's hard to find a flaw in the song. It's just that good.
2: Uh yeah. This is I feel like not the controversy that people want to listen to, but <laughs> like we're agreeing <laughs> on everything.
1: I'm in the same boat. Um, it, this ain't a debate podcast. <laughs> oh
3: gosh. It can
2: be sometimes, but we, we've <laughs> had we've <laughs> had a couple,
0: a couple.
1: Yeah. Uh,
2: but yeah, I'm in the same boat, Mr. Crowley. Um, like obviously, Crazy Train is just a much more iconic song. Um. But and even like like Randy Rose guitar solo. In Crazy Train is like super iconic. But I think. Just in every aspect, Mr. Crowley is just better. Like, I think his solo in Mr. Crowley shows off a little bit more of his, like, technical skill, which feels a lot more controlled than Crazy Train, which obviously is supposed to kind of feel like a train going off the rails. But just that extra little bit of polish that the solo has on Mr. Crowley. Uh, The intro is somehow better even though crazy train also has one of the most iconic intros of all time when you hear it uh it's it's odd that both of these these two songs are just heavyweights on this album kind of duking it out with each other and i think to the majority of people crazy train wins out but just in my opinion mr crowley is the better of the two and the best song on this album
0: I'm telling you, it, the intro is so good. And like it's the stop. It is the like uh Shazura in the in the band where like they just stop and then Ozzy comes in and just like leads into the song is what makes it like so good. And we have yeah. one final award grade, whatever you want to call it, one last segment. Grade the album. We'll start with you, Ryan, as our guest. A through F, A or A plus through F or F minus, whatever you want to give it. What kind of grade we give in the album?
1: Um, I I'm thinking an A, just shy of an A plus. Um, the main thing that's holding me back is throughout the album, for the most part. Um the drums leave a bit to be desired. Um, They're never bad. They always service the song. But especially when I listen to, on some of the later albums, like starting with Diary of a Madman, especially once you get into like, No More Tears. um, Like there's some just like great drum lines and fills and stuff in there. Um, But outside of a few exceptions, um, it's just, it's a really safe, um, drum line put down um and you know the fact that you have no bone movies which is kind of forgettable i mean it's not i feel like if you told me you skipped that song or whatever i wouldn't fault you so it's not a true no skips album maybe for me it is but like someone's like "Ah, i don't really listen to that or like i skipped through d i'd be like yeah okay i understand (laughs) (laughs) um but I, I skip mean, skip through overall, the 40
0: second song, yeah.
1: Um, but for the most part, it's the reason it's still an A is like there's nothing bad, it's just there's things that aren't as good as I feel like they could be. It, that like it's missing from being like an absolute top tier album.
0: Yeah, Andy, what say you? Uh,
2: so my. I've been kind of shifting a little bit, kind of wavering in my grades. I've been teetering between um like I've been in like down to B, I've been up to A. Um, kind of in that range. And I settled in, I'm gonna settle in on A minus. Um I think the album is Really good. I think it benefits from the fact that you know it's only nine tracks, so you're not going to have as many opportunities for there to be any like extra songs on there that could be kind of duds. It's really only eight if you're taking D out, which as far as like individual songs, I wouldn't necessarily count that. But, um, it's bookended by such great pieces. You've got I don't know. At the beginning, it ends off with Steal Away. Um, it's got such, it's got like the iconic songs, of course, for the shame Mr. Crowley. I don't think any of the songs, uh, kind of like Ryan said, are bad. Um, even the worst, No Bone Movies is still like a fun song. And um, yeah, I think it's definitely a really good debut uh, for Ozzy's post Black Sabbath career. Um, I'm kind of, yeah, I'm in the same boat kind of with like a little bit of the music- musician, um, musicianship in the drums could be a little bit better. Um, I think you've got like bass and guitar parts to really cover a lot of that up, but I think it's super solid um, and that's where I'm at with it. It's definitely up there for me. I had really low expectations coming into this.
0: Like I was fully anticipating be like maybe a solid C. Um, and so by that aspect, it truly blew me away. Like I'm going to give this a B plus. And if we were grading strictly on art, I'd give it an a. like it is awesome artwork cover artwork but again it's the forgettable song um and it it's also just like i want more like if you know you're just going by the nine songs it leaves a little to be desired because it makes you want more of the music, and then also again the drum, like you guys have already pointed out, it's the drums. Like there's, that's the level that's missing, and I don't know how you would rewrite the drum parts to make them like better or like more prominent, but I think there's ways to do it, and so that's why I'm gonna go with a B plus. It again better than I anticipated giving it because again I, I well I view Crazy Train as like. One of the biggest, you know, songs of the '80s, let alone of all time. It's not my favorite, and so like I kind of already had like lower expectations coming in, um, but it definitely exceeded those. As I think next week's album will, um, hopefully before Thanksgiving, we'll be recording episode seven, which will be about. An album my sister sent me today because it has a frog on it. We're going to be covering Frog Stomp by Silverchair. And if you've never seen the album, there's a really cute tree frog on the front of it. So um, that's what we're going to go with. Uh, There's some really good songs on there. Um, I've already listened to it uh, several times through. Uh, Silverchair is one of my uh, favorite, like, underappreciated groups. Um, and it's definitely an album that I've spun multiple times. So I'm excited to chat about that. And of course, I want to thank our guest, Ryan, for coming on. Definitely going to have you on when we talk about Alice in Chains' Dirt, because it's going to happen. It's one of, the, one of the albums that, like, it's on my list, you know, it's got to be covered. Um, and then, of course, if you didn't hear last week, December is going to be all MTV Unplugs. So be looking out for those when those come out. We're gonna talk about arguably one of the greatest recorded concerts of all time in New York City. We're gonna talk about one of the coolest concerts with a orchestra from a different country. And then we're going to talk about some MTV Unplugs where maybe the singer falls out of a chair a couple of times or uh, some things like that. So you, you won't want to miss those. And who knows? Maybe we'll do like a watch-along type thing with the Nirvana one because it's so iconic. Or God forbid the Allison Chains one where there's so many hidden like gems in there with like words on guitars and things like that. So you don't want to miss out the content coming out again, Ryan. Thanks for coming on, man. I know it's a late night for you, and uh, you're probably just like me, just like sick of the Pacers sucking. And Yanni, as always, it's, it's a pleasure, man. Thanks for joining me week after week to talk about our musical ramblings
1: here. Oh right. yeah, this was your Yeah, for? sure, sure. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I uh, had a good time ch- chatting. Always fun to talk about Ozzy. Uh, I look here forward to your guys' review of Katy Perry MTV Unplugged.
0: Oh, it might be on the list. I haven't decided yet. Um, Ryan, I might as well have you sound off first if you want people to follow you on Twitter so they can see all your ramblings about ben davis high school marching band <laughs> i don't think
1: i don't know the last time i've uh, openly talked it, about <laughs> it has, It has
0: been a while yeah you're right uh, but your musical takes the uh comments occasionally on the pacers posts where it's like hey what's going on <laughs> um or the occasional war with dane turner of all people okay. on twitter um uh, where where do you want people to follow you if you do
1: eh <laughs> uh, nah well <laughs> no? all right i'm good i'm ryan good talking to you guys
0: <laughs> uh, you can find me z barnet nba on twitter i post a lot so you know if you're not in the mood to watch my life crumble in class because i'm on twitter for it um don't want to follow me but z barnet nba if you do all things music magic pacers pokemon you name it i've probably talked about it um and then of course yanny what's up man where can people find you oh
2: gosh uh i don't know you can find me on the street i guess (laughs) if, if you do i'll give you a prize um but actually um find me on twitter at aka underscore yanny it's a y-a-n-n-i-e um tweet sometimes uh, music magic um other like game stuff so maybe sometimes some like random political insights um talk about a lot of things got um, i gonna have some projects coming up that i'll post about um but yeah it's been a blast as always being on here.
0: And of course, if you want to find our podcast information, spin it to win it pod on Facebook and Instagram. Um, and then I think on Twitter, it's something different like spin it underscore pod. to find yep. on the that's way. it. Um, and like I said, next week we'll be doing frog stomp. So be on the lookout for that. And, uh, Thank you so much for listening wherever you are still trying to figure out Apple. They uh, do not like my Apple ID for whatever reason. So that's cool, but maybe someday they'll accept our podcast with open arms. Um, But that's going to wrap up tonight. Thanks for listening to our coverage of Blizzard of Oz. You have a wonderful rest of your day.